So it's nice to see you here today. So we're beginning a new series this week. I'm calling it 40 Days in the Word. And you might remember a while back we did 40 Days of Prayer, where we focused on prayer, what prayer is all about, how to have a great and powerful prayer life, and to build a habit, like a daily time that you'd be praying so it becomes a regular part of your life. Well, today we're focusing on the Word of God. My dream is that it would develop a daily time into your life that you'd read the Bible because it's so important to you. There's a few goals I actually have. One goal is that you would fall in love with the Bible, that you'd fall in love with God's Word. The other goal is that you'd really learn it, and then you'd live it out is the third one. If you fall in love with God's Word, if you really learn it, and you're really living it out, that's going to change your life for the better. He gave it to us for our good. Today, I'm going to kind of give you more an overview of what we're going to be doing the following six weeks. So to begin that, I want to talk about what's coming up in the next few weeks. The first week coming up next week, I'm going to talk about the inspiration of the Bible. Like, how can I trust that this is really God's Word? People say it's the Word of God, but you know, how, how can I trust that? Is there any support for that? Or are we just going by our emotions and feelings? You know, why do we believe it's inspired? Then the second week, I'm going to look at the foundation of the Bible. By that, I mean, what's really the purpose behind it? The big picture, the overarching, uh, the overarching theme behind it. You know, what is it really all about? So we're going to look at that. It's 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a 1,600-year span, and yet it's put together as one book. How, how does all that work together? Then on the third week, we're going to talk about illumination, the illumination of the Bible. How does God illuminate my mind or enlighten me to see something in Scripture that I need to see? Have you all read the Bible before and you're reading through it? Then it could be a year later, it could be months later, whatever, but you're reading the same passage that you read before, and this time it just jumps out at you. And you think, like, whoa, why didn't I notice that before? You know, what is it, what does God do to enlighten our minds so that we read the Bible and we're getting it? Because there are people that read the Bible and they don't get it. They don't get it. So apparently there's more than reading it, there's something connected with me and God that enlightens me to see things that I just never noticed before. What causes that? I want that in my life. I would think that you'd want that in your life. The next one, week four, we're going to talk about the interpretation of the Bible. Have you ever heard people say, well, that's your interpretation, as if everybody can have their own interpretation? No, that's nonsense. There are principles of how you interpret literature that are very clear on any piece of literature. And uh, the Bible means what it says and says what it means, and uh, you'll be able to tell that that's a bunch of hogwash, that there's clear ways of interpreting. And if you don't interpret the Bible according to normal, clear ways, um, that's when people get weird and wacky ideas, and that's how cults get going. But it's not the Bible saying anything weird. It's just people aren't doing the basic principles of how you would interpret Shakespeare, for example. You know, there's just basic laws of how you interpret things to get the right meaning. And then week five, it's the integration 
of the Bible. How do I integrate this into my life, into my family, into my finances, into my past, into my present, into my future? How do I integrate it into my home? Because you can read the Bible and know what the story says and not necessarily integrate it into your situation. You'll notice my sermons are all about that. I take something that was written, and then I'm integrating it into our life today. But how can you do that effectively in your own Bible time? And then six week is, this uh, sixth week is going to be application. How can I use the Bible in specific ways to apply it to my life so that I can use that to make good decisions? Or I can use it to overcome temptation? Or I can use it to have wise counsel when I'm sharing with someone else? Or I can use it to comfort me in some area of my life where it's applied to my life. Our last six weeks of messages were about application to marriage. I talked about things, but how do we apply it to our life? A lot of the verses that I read weren't talking about marriage. They were talking about life, right? But I took those verses and said, okay, now, hear what this says. How does this apply to your marriage? So application, making it apply to your, to your life. So I think it's going to be an exciting series. I believe if you really take this in, it's going to change the direction of your life. If you aren't already making, reading the Bible a regular part of your life, it's going to change the whole direction of your life. There's another element that we're doing during this time is together we're going to read two chapters every day of the Bible. You're going to start in Luke. You just find your Bible and you start in Luke and you're going to just read You can either start today or tomorrow, but you read the first two chapters of Luke. Then the next day, you're going to read chapter three and four. The next day, you're going to read chapter five and six. And together as a collective body, even though we're doing this in our separate homes, but together as a collective body, we are reading through the whole book of Luke together. Luke is all about Jesus's life. What's the most important thing? Start by getting to know Jesus. When you finish Luke... You're going to go right to the next book, which is John, which is also all about Jesus's life, but written by somebody else, written by somebody else, written by John, who lived with Jesus for three years. And he talks about some things that Luke didn't talk about. So you're going to read all the way through Luke, and then you're going to read through John. Between both of those, you're going to get a good picture of who Jesus is in his life. And then when you finish John, you're going to continue on to Acts. Acts is how the early Christians started going. It's very inspiring. And, it, and after you learn these things that we're talking about, you're going to relate it to your own life, how it relates to us as believers in our life. And you're going to see the early church, the early Christians, the great things that they did. It's going to be very inspiring. And then once you finish Acts, then you'll continue right into the next book, which is Romans. And Romans is one of the best Letters in the Bible, books in the Bible that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, that he wrote describing things like salvation and our relationship with God, how we get messed up, why do we struggle with sin, I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing, why does this happen? And it's just a very good book in the Bible to kind of help you get started in spiritual growth. And then... You'll finish Romans, and by that time, we're going to be done. By the time you finish Romans, we've finished our series. But my hope is that you keep reading after that. 
that you go into 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, and that you'll keep continuing on. That it won't just be, hey, we, I read the Bible every day for 40 days, two chapters a day. This was great. And now, oh, it's over. It's done. No, my desire, my hope is that this is a habit in your life. The reason why it's my hope is I want you to have the best life possible. If you feel like the messages I give impact your life for the good, then I think it's important enough to not only get that on Sunday. To not only get that on Sunday. Because when you're reading the Bible, you're going to be getting the same messages because that's where I get my messages from. And if you're in these next six weeks of what I'm talking, you're going to know how to do it yourself. You're going to know how to get the most out of Scripture. And that's my desire for you. My desire is that we are the most spiritually mature church in the country, in the world, most spiritually mature. Now, I'm not really competing with other churches because my desire is that every church would be the most spiritually mature people. Because my desire is that people would be growing to God. But I have no control or influence in those other churches. My control and influence is here, right? So my desire is that we become the most spiritually mature people that we can be. And that will happen if we are reading the Bible and taking it in and doing some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And then in the fall, I'm going to start a class called, it's going to be on Wednesday nights. So you have to plan for this. It's going to be Wednesday nights. Um, I'm going to start a class called Step by Step Through the Old Testament. And it's going to be 13 weeks. And it's a course. There's a book that goes with it. And I'm going to help walk you through that whole Old Testament. You won't be able to read the whole Old Testament in that 13-week period. I mean, you could if you really spend a lot of time. But I'm going to walk you through the Old Testament together so you're going to have a clear grip on the Scriptures. And you're going to say, I totally understand this. And any hogwash that you grew up with hearing like, oh, the Bible's too difficult to understand, it's not. You know what I think that is? I see that as Satan's way of trying to talk you into not reading your Bible. It's not too difficult to understand. You know, but I want to give, so I want to take you step by step through the Old Testament. It's, a, it's 13 weeks long. It takes a, there's homework involved. Okay, and then I want to take a winter break because of the holidays and everything. And then in the spring, I want to take you through a 13-week class on Wednesday nights of step by step through the New Testament. And after you do those two classes, your, your understanding and your grip on the Bible is going to be so amazing. But I want you to be there. I want you to be there. I want you to start planning now. If you know now, you might have enough time to work out your schedules to make sure that you can come here on Wednesday nights. On Sunday mornings, we're going to be doing something different. On Sunday mornings, we're going to continue different messages just like we do. But on Wednesday nights, we're going to be doing that. My desire is by the end of this year that we have over 100 people in this church that are adults that really have a great grip on the Bible. And my guess is, I don't mean this in an insulting way. I'm just saying my honest guess is that we don't have 100 people in our church, adults, that have that type of grip on the Bible. I'm guessing that most people don't have a habit of reading the Bible. Most people, a lot of what we've heard about the Bible is what we've heard. And that is a way to learn the Bible. But I want us to be mature and solid in what we believe and understanding what we we believe and growing and excited about it. 
I'm excited about it. So I hope that you can be excited and join us for that as well. Now, I want to get into today's message. Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount. It's probably his most famous sermon that he ever gave. You'll read about that, part of that in Luke. It's more in Matthew than in Luke, but you'll read about it in Luke as well. But it's his most famous sermon. And at the very end of it, he finishes the sermon by saying, there were these two guys, and they built their homes. One guy built his home on sand, and it was a weak foundation. The other guy built his home on rock, and it was a solid foundation. When the winds came and the storms of life and the rains and the floods came, the house that was built on the sand got demolished. But he said the house that was built on rock stood and resisted the rains and the storms and didn't collapse. And then he was saying after this in Matthew 7, 24, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, he just gave a sermon, so he's talking about a sermon. Everyone that hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. He was saying, I just gave you a sermon. And if you build your life on the word of God, on what Jesus said on his word, if you build your life on, Jesus is saying, if you build your life on what I just said, if you build your life on my words, when life hits you, you're not going to collapse. But if you don't build your life on something solid, on God's word, when life hits you, you're going you're gonna to collapse. And he's saying, I want you to make it, is what he's saying. He's saying to his crowd, I want everybody here to make it. See, we don't know what difficult times we have ahead of us. But this is what we do know. We know without a doubt, we all have difficult times ahead of us. Okay? We all know that we have good times ahead of us. Right? There's going to be great times. But life is going great. And then, you know, somebody dies. It devastates us. Their life is going great. And then now I've got this sickness and I'm having to deal with their life is going great. And then I lose my job or life is going great. And then my marriage starts having problems. I mean, we don't know what's the future holds, but I guarantee you without a doubt, there's going to be trouble in your future. Okay. And what he's saying to them is, I don't want you to crumble when life hits you. When life hits you, I want you to be able to stay, stand strong if you try to live your life on the opinions of others, it changes. It's like, you know, building your house on sand. If you try to do what's popular on TV, it changes. If you try to do what culture says, it changes. So he's saying, build your life on something you can depend on. And if you're studying God's word and you're taking God's word into your life, it's not going to change the fact that you're going to hit trouble times. What it's going to do is it's going to change how you deal with those troubled times. How am I going to react in those times of trouble? If you want to be able to react healthy in those times of trouble, it helps to have God's word guiding you and not just what everybody else is saying. God gave you senses like to hear, to smell, to see, to taste, to feel. And we use these senses to experience everything in life. You also use your senses to know God's word, to connect with him, to get to know him in a deeper way, 
We're going to look at this today. How do I build my life on the Bible? Number one in your notes, receive it with my ears. We're talking about hearing the Bible, hearing the word. Here's the verse that I think of when I say this is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. That means your faith is built when you're hearing a message from Christ, which means right now your faith is being built. Right now. Or if you're hearing a message on the radio, maybe you're on the radio and you turn to a station, it's something uh, uh, like a pastor on the, church, on the radio is talking or something, and your faith is being built when you hear it like that. Uh, your faith gets built by listening to the Word of God. Here's what it says. Faith comes from hearing the message. That's what it said. Faith comes from hearing the message. But not just any message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes when you're hearing the message of God. Okay? In, so hearing is a very important part of spiritual growth. In James 1, 19 through 21, everyone should be quick to listen. It makes sense when you know that faith comes from hearing the message. So we should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This is saying God wants to take his word and plant it in you. God's word is used to save us. To save us from what? Save us from ourselves, save us from sin. What that means when it's to save us is to bring us to salvation in Christ. It's like, how am I going to know Christ, how am I going to know what he's done for me without me hearing it? And my faith comes from hearing it. I need to be able to hear it so I can even know. So one of the ways that we're growing spiritually is using our ears, that sense of hearing, like what you're doing right now. He says, be quick to listen. That's using my ears. Accept the word. It says here in in James, accept the word. That word accept, in the Greek, it's a word that means like, when you're welcoming a stranger, you're accepting them into your life. You don't know them yet, but you're accepting them. That's how the Word of God is to us at the beginning, right? It's like a stranger. You know, I don't really know if this is even the Word of God, but I'm welcoming it in. I'm accepting it. I'm coming with an attitude that's willing to be open and learn. You know, it's a stranger to me, but I'll check it out. I'll check it out with an honest mind, with an honest heart. That's what it means when you're accepting it. It's an attitude of acceptance. If you're going to get the Bible in your life, it starts with that attitude. You know, my attitude has everything to do with what I, if I can listen to something. You know, if I'm irritated and I have a bad attitude, I probably don't listen to what's happening because of my emotions. Now, the Bible says, plant it. Throughout Scripture, it refers to the Word of God, Scripture, as a seed, And our hearts are the soil, and God wants to plant that seed in our heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I've planted seeds before. And what I found is I can have the exact same quality of seeds and plant them in three different locations. And in one location, I get giant tomatoes. In another location, I get little dinky tomatoes that no one would want to eat. And then in another location, I don't get anything. It doesn't grow. So what's the difference? Is it the seed or is it the soil that's different? 
It's not the seed. The seeds are the same. They came from the same package. Everything's the same. It's the soil. What makes something grow has to do with soil. Now, when you remember the Bible, God's word is a seed being planted in your heart. Your heart is a soil. So that means we can have three different types of hearts, in my example. You can have a heart that's very receptive to God, and you're going to grow and produce great fruit in your life. Or you can have a heart that's not so receptive, and you see little fruit but not too good. And then you can have a heart that's not, that's not receptive at all, and God's word just goes in one ear and out the other. You don't get anything out of it. And your heart, to be prepared, you have to do things. When you want to have good soil, you know, you have to break up the ground. You got to use fertilizer. There's things that you do to prepare your heart. No soil is just prepared automatically. You've got to remove the rocks, you know, the dirt clods. You, you know, you have to work the soil to get it ready and receptive so when you put the seed in, you get this great plant or whatever you want to do. Same with my heart. I've got to prepare my heart. If I come to church without my heart prepared, I'm not going to get anything from the message. Today, I guarantee you, today, there's going to be people in this room and some people are going to walk out of here and they're going to say, wow, that impacted my life. And other people are going to walk out of here and get nothing out of it. And I'm telling you, it has less to do with what I'm saying, has more to do with your heart being receptive. If your heart is receptive to God, you can get something from anybody. If your heart's receptive to God, you can learn from anybody. You can gain something good from almost anybody if your heart's receptive. But if your heart's not receptive... It doesn't matter what someone shares. So two people get the same exact seed, the same exact message. One person walks out of here with a changed life. The other person doesn't. It has, it has, very, it has nothing really to do with the seed. It has everything to do with the soil. Do you remember those televisions? Back in the old days, some of you won't remember this. We used to have antennas on our television. And what would happen is when you don't get good reception, you move the antenna around, you stretch out here, you lean it this way, you move it around on top of the box. Okay, now I have, have good reception. Now, we don't do that anymore, but we do that with our phones. You know, I'm talking to you, and I don't have good reception, so I walk over here. I don't have reception, so I go over this way. Okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me? You know, we do it with our phones. What are we searching for? Reception, right? Because... If I don't get re good reception, I can't get anything from you. So what do I have to do for good reception so that I can get something from God? Well, number one, you know, you can fill this out. It's not, num it's not numbered, I don't think, but the word quiet. It says in James 1.19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. There's something about listening, just being quiet. And I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet. I'm just going to listen. That's one way uh, to, be, uh, to be able to receive. What I'm trying to say is, I can't hear God talking to me if I'm talking all the time. You know, when I pray, you know, I read the Bible, and I pray, and then I just have a quiet time, just to reflect, just to see. And I'll sometimes say, God, is there anything that you're trying to tell me here? I'll just be quiet. I'm trying to let... You know, I'm trying to get me out of the way. So instead of me, like, 
I can do this. I can read the Bible, check it off my list, go through a prayer list, check it off my list, walk away, and not hear anything from God. But boy, I read the Bible. I, I checked off my list. Or I can read the Bible and pray while I'm taking it. God, is there anything here that you're trying to talk to me about? And just be quiet a bit and just listen. Then, you know, I can pray and then it's, God, is there anything you need to reveal to me? And just listen. One of the reasons we don't receive is we're just not quiet. Sometimes I'm working, working, working. I don't have time to listen to God. If you don't give him time, you're not going to hear it. Next one is calm. It says, and slow to become angry. Why is it talking about anger? Because you can't hear from God when you're angry. When you're angry and upset, your mind's going 100 miles per hour. You can't, you can't hear anything from God. So to be receptive, you've got to be calm. You've got to let go of that stuff. If you're angry, if, if I'm emotionally upset with something that, like, say, my wife and I got in an argument about something, and if I'm emotionally upset and I go read the Bible, you know what happens? I'll read the whole page and I won't remember a thing. I read all the words and I don't remember a thing I said. You know why? The whole time I'm reading, I'm thinking about this argument with me and my wife. What good was that Bible reading? So what I'm trying to say is to be receptive to God's word, if I'm angry, I've got to deal with the anger first. I've got to forgive her. Just let it go. I've got to forgive her. Or go and make up and ask and tell that I'm sorry and whatever I need to do. But get the relationship right. Now that I'm calm, I can read that same passage and soak it in. It's my attitude. My attitude wasn't receptive. It wasn't that I was anti-God. It's I'm just not calm. There's a reason why the Bible says, where God says, be still and know that I'm God. Because if I'm not, you know, if I'm saying, okay, God, I'm in a hurry. I only have five minutes. Speak to me. Speak to me. I don't think it's going to work that way. I'm not calm. I'm not, you know, I'm not, my blood pressure is too high. I'm not going to be hearing. Then clean. I can't have any junk in my life. Sin piled up if I expect to hear God. Look at James 1.21 there. It says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. When I go to plant a garden, I have to get rid of some things. Like I said, the dirt clods, the rocks, the weeds. I got to pull a lot of junk out. And that's the same thing. Sometimes I've got junk in my life that's preventing me from hearing from God. This verse called it filth and evil. This word filth, it's, it's funny. You know, we're talking about hearing the word of God. And this word filth, it's a Greek word. It's the word for earwax. <laughs> what it's saying is get rid of that earwax. Get rid of all that filth. The reason I can't hear from God is my ears are full of junk. Now, does it literally mean earwax? It's talking about emotional earwax, spiritual earwax, mental earwax, ethical earwax, where there's things in your life that are blocking you from hearing God. Get rid of that junk. And then it says evil. We know what evil means. That's anything that's wrong. But it's saying, get that junk out of your life. Get evil out of your life because those things are preventing you from hearing from God. So you don't have to get cleaned up to give your life to God. You, you come just as you are. God, my life's a wreck. I'm, I'm putting my faith in you. But once you do that, now it's time to start cleaning up. Now it's time to clean up. He comes into your life to clean you up so that you can hear him, so that you can know him. You've got to be open to that. He's saying, 
take out the garbage. Have you ever had garbage and, and your house starts stinking because of garbage? And it doesn't matter if you mop around that garbage, and it doesn't matter if you wash down the walls. The house is going to still stink. There's nothing you can do until you take out the garbage. So saying, get that garbage out of your life, the jealousy. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's resentment. Whatever the thing is, just get it out. Take out the garbage. The Bible talks about confessing. What that means, this is a way to take out the garbage. Confessing starts by me agreeing with God. What I'm doing here is wrong. Maybe I, I have resentment towards somebody. What I'm doing is wrong. You first have to confess it. You first have to agree with God. Confession means I'm in agreement with God. God says this is wrong, and now I agree. Why is that? Because God says some things that are wrong, and you don't agree with them. There are things that you don't agree. The Bible says this is wrong, and you don't agree. You don't agree. So you're never going to be where you need to be spiritually until you can first agree with God. Okay, God, I agree what I'm doing here is wrong. Okay, it starts there. And then repent means to change my ways. But I'm not going to repent until I first agree with him. I first have to come to the point where I say, God, I agree with you. Okay, now repent means go the other direction. So I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to start going in this other direction. And obviously, depending on what the behavior is, it's not always that easy just to stop. But what I'm trying to say is to take out the garbage, it starts with confession. You first agree with him, and then you can start working on the issue. The next one is humble. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. What does it mean to be humble? It means that you're ready to do what God tells you. That's a humble heart. Here's a prideful heart. God, you tell me what you want me to do, and I'll decide if I'm going to do it. Okay, that's pridefulness. Humility is I've already decided I'm going to do what God says no matter what. You know, no matter what you say, God, I'm in. Okay, that, why is that humble? Because now I'm being honest, I'm humbling myself, and I'm saying, you're God, and I'm not. If I say, you tell me what you want me to do, God, and I'll decide if I'm going to do it, I'm still trying to be the God of my own life. The whole thing about salvation is, I'm not the God of my life, you are. I'm not good enough to reach you, you're good enough to reach me. I'm giving you my life. I'm here, Lord, take me, I'm yours. As long as I try to be the God of my own life, I'm not going to receive God's word. I've got to get that junk out of my ears, like it said. So a great way to learn God's word is through hearing, just like you're doing now. But to hear the message, you've got to get the junk out of your ears. You have to have a receptive heart. Like I said, there's two people here today. They could be sitting right next to each other, and one person is hearing the word of God, and it's changing their life, and the person sitting right next to them can have junk in their ears, have an irritated heart, a heart that's not receptive, and it's going in their ear and right out the other, okay? So it's the soil, what type of person you're going to be. Then the second way that I want to look at is we talked about our ears, but let's talk about our eyes. Read it with my eyes. Read the Bible. You cannot grow without reading the Bible. You can hear a message, but you need to read it. You need to get it in. Look at James 1, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Can you imagine that? It says the guy looks in the mirror. So you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and you say, oh, my hair is all messed up. It looks like I've got some sort of spinach in my teeth there. Oh, that does not look good. So you look in the mirror, but when you walk away, you forget what you look like. 
So you grab your, whatever you grab, and you go to the car, and then you get in the car, and then you look in the mirror in the car, and you say, wait a minute, my hair's a mess. Wait a minute, I've got some, that spinach in my t- teeth still. Wait a minute, I'm still in my pajamas. Oh, and then you look away from the mirror, and you forget what you look like, so you drive to work. Then you get to work, and everybody's looking at you like, what's wrong with you? And then you stop by the bathroom at work, and you look in the mirror, and wait a minute, my hair, I'm in my pajamas. I've got, and then you walk away and forget what you look like. He is saying here, that's how ridiculous it is to hear God say something to you and to walk away and forget about it, okay? No one would see themselves in the mirror like that and walk away and forget about it. They, they do something about it. So why would someone hear the word of God from God, which is way impo- more important than seeing yourself in the mirror? Why would someone hear from God and walk away and forget about it? He's just showing how ridiculous it is spiritually to hear from God and not take it in. Then he says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now, here you see five things that help you to grow spiritually. And the first one where it says, do not merely listen, you can circle the word listen. We talked about that one already. The next one you can circle where is where it says, looks intently. That's reading the Bible. Now you're looking intently. You're reading it. Okay, then continues. You can circle the word continues because when you're continuing to do that, you're reviewing. It's reviewing it. And then it says not forgetting. You can circle that. What does that mean? You're memorizing it. You're memorizing it. And then it says doing it. Now you're responding to it. So you hear the word, you read the word, you review the word, you memorize the word, and then you do what it says. That's what the scripture is saying. That's what it means. And then it says he will be blessed. Do you notice it doesn't say that you're blessed just from listening? Or it doesn't say you're blessed just from reading or just from reviewing it or just from memorizing it or just from doing it. It puts these all together and it says, then you will be blessed. God wants to bless your life. And what this is telling me, it's a roundabout way of saying the more ways that you can get God into your life, the more it's going to stick. And the more ways you can get God into your life, the more your life is going to be blessed. The more you know God and his will for your life, the better your life's going to be because you know God and you know his will. You know what direction he wants you to go in. And then number three, research it with my hands and my mouth. I'm going to explain what I mean by this. There's a difference between Bible reading and Bible study because reading is reading and studying is studying. And study always implies there's pen and paper and you're writing something down. If you're not taking notes, if you, if, you know. Now, one aspect of studying that a lot of people don't think about too is talking about it. Studying, the best way to study is when you're taking notes and discussing it. That's the most effective way. That's why... Uh, when you have a group meeting, like Benjamin Franklin used to try to get the greatest minds he could find and get them all together. Because he would, and they would talk to each other and learn from each other and take notes. But when you're conversing, you can ask questions and you can take notes. But the note-taking and the group thing, that's the fastest, best way to grow spiritually. That's why I want to do the classes, the step-by-step through the Old Testament step-by-step through the New Testament, because here 
We can't have a discussion. It's not designed for that, but there you can. And that's when you grow the most. That's when you get the most out of it. Now, in John 5, 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you believe they give you eternal life, and the scriptures point to me. What I want you to see there is they're searching the scriptures. What, were the, what does that mean? They're studying it. They're studying it. They're not just reading it. When you're searching the scriptures, it implies you're studying it. Look at this one, Acts 17, 11. The people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So they were listening. Okay, that means that they had the junk out of their ears. That means they had the receptive heart. But it goes a step beyond that. They searched the scriptures. That means they're studying it. Day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. How can you know if I'm really teaching the truth? Blind faith? Isn't that how cults work? Isn't the theme behind a cult is they get you not to think for yourself? So you just follow them blindly. How can you know for sure I'm speaking the truth? If you search the scriptures, that's how you do it. So if, we're, if you're reading the Bible on your own, then you're going to know, yeah, that's true. And then what will happen is, I, I, if I say something, you say, yeah. It might be things like this. Yeah, I never noticed that before, but that's right. It might be inspiring, but you're going to know if I'm telling the truth or not by how much you know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you don't really know if I'm telling the truth. You're really following me blindly. If you know the Bible, the more of the Bible you know, the more you can tell whether or not it's truth or not. So uh, they weren't just reading it. They wanted to study the Scripture to make sure that Paul was saying, the right. yeah, Paul's right. That is what it means. That is what it says. Now that I've read it, I get it. That's for sure. Silas said this. Let me check. Yeah, that is right. Studying the Scriptures it makes you more mature is what it does. And then the next one, four, is review and remember in my mind. James says, the man who looks intently into the perfect law and continues to do this, that's reviewing it because you're, you're doing it again, and not forgetting, that's memorizing it or remembering it, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. I want us to focus on that review and remember. If I'm going to be blessed... I need to review it things, which means the first time I read through the Bible, I remembered a lot of stuff. But it's amazing. The second time I read through the Bible, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember reading the first time. And the third time I read through the Bible, there's still things I didn't remember. I don't remember reading this, but I read through the whole Bible. And the seventh and the eighth time, I don't know what time I'm on now. It's been a lot. But even this last time I read through the Bible, I thought by now I'd remember everything, but I ran into some passage. I thought, I don't even remember this. And I, I've had to have read it like 20 times or something. You know, how do I not remember this? So what I'm trying to say is review. No matter how much you think you know it, when you review it, you see things that you forgot. And uh, remember it. There's certain Bible verses that impact your life. Write them down on a three-by-five card and, and memorize them. There's just certain verses that just really make an impact. People say, well, I can't memorize. I'm not good at that. Uh, do you know your home address? You memorize something, right? Do you know your telephone number? You memorize something. There's people that can tell me words of a song that was from the 1960s. So they were able to memorize that song. And there's people that know their favorite baseball player's batting average, and that changes daily, and they still remember it. And people know certain stock quotes. What I'm saying is, you remember the things you want to remember. If you want to remember it, you'll do things to help you remember it. 
Memory is like a muscle too. If you exercise that muscle, it gets stronger. If you really do have a bad memory, if you exercise your memory, it will get stronger. So just take a verse that, that really impacts you, a verse that you desire to learn, and start memorizing it, and, it, and it's good for your mind anyway. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Wow. Apparently, the Bible is important to us if we're supposed to meditate on it day and night to be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. It's not for the sake of making you conform to a certain religious sect that does certain things and you know legalism and don't do this, don't do that. If studying the Bible is making you a legalist, you've missed all purpose. If studying the Bible is making you prosperous and successful, you've gotten the right things out of it. So if I study the Bible so much that I can go around and say, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that, I missed the whole point. But if I study the Bible and put it in my life so now my marriage was more prosperous and successful, and my business was more prosperous and successful, and my finances were more prosperous and successful, that's, that's the standard that lets you know if you're growing. Because if I can't implement it into my life, that meant I missed the whole message. If I'm a better parent because of studying the Bible, I got it. But if I'm more judgmental, then it didn't do anything for my life. Number five, respond to it with my actions. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Turn it into action, which means I can read all about how to be a good dad, but if I don't do it, it doesn't matter. I can read how to get my finances in order, but if I don't do it, why did I even bother? It was a waste of time. One thing I do, and it's convicted out of what I've just said, you see your connection cards? If you want to, you can grab it out. On the back of the connection card at the top, I always have a box here, and it says, I will build my life on the Bible by listening to sermons, reading the Bible, studying it, remembering it, and applying it to my daily living. And per, a person can mark, a, mark that box. And when they turn it in, I, I see their name. I pray for that person over that issue. That's why I have that in there. But you know why I do that? Is so we can apply it. The whole point isn't just to know what the Bible says. The point is to be able to do what it says. So I want to finish back with the original verse here in Matthew. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to you. The reason why I've dedicated my life to be in the ministry is, and it's for me too, is I want to have the best marriage possible, and I want you to. I want to have the best family life possible, and I want you to. I want to have the most financial success possible, and I want you to. I want to have the 
uh, whatever business I'm involved in or whatever I put my hands to, even like coaching at the high school, whatever. I want to be the best that we can be, and I want you to be the best that you can be. That's why I do it. I want everybody in this room to be prosperous and successful. That's my goal for you. You know, and that's God's will for your life. Some people say, like, uh, I'm just going to use finances for an example. Some people think, like, money is the root of all evil. Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all, all evil. But if I get a group of people like this that love God and you're successful, you know, you're successful and, and you prosper, how do you think you're going to use your money if you love God? Because you're going to love your neighbors yourself. You're going to use it in the right way. I want money in the hands of people that love God, that care about this world. Whether you know it or not, it's the devil's idea put in your mind to say, hey, as a Christian, don't be prosperous. Don't be successful. Don't care about earthly things. No. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be the best that you can be. The best that you can be. Because you'll use it for God's glory. That's what impacts the world for the good. When the right people have the, the stuff, the right things happen. When the wrong people have the power and the stuff, the wrong things happen. Let's pray. Dear God, we desire to be prosperous. We desire to be successful. And we know from reading today and studying and hearing today, Lord, that that comes from knowing you. The more we know you, the more we know your word, the more we understand your purpose for life, the more we understand what you want us to do, that your whole desire is to give us great families, great marriages, that we can excel at work with our finances in every aspect of our life because, Lord, we've given our life to you. We want to use everything we have for good. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you want the best for us. Even when sometimes we don't want the best, you still want us to have the best. And we thank you for that. We thank you for being such a loving, gracious God to us. We don't deserve all the good stuff you want to give us. But Lord, we receive it because we understand you're our dad. We're your child. You want to bless us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.